up, everyone, and welcome to the 24th episode of the Sad Noz CEDH podcast. Tonight, we are talking all about tournament prep. My name is Kian, otherwise known as Varlis, and joining me, as always, is O3 Adam, otherwise known as Poppy Phobia. What's up, everybody? And joining us today is Rocketman, otherwise known as Chris. What's going on, everyone? And Accepted, otherwise known as Alex. How are you guys doing? But before we get started, Adam, I think we have some triggers to resolve in our upkeep. Yeah, thanks, Kian. So, as always, we're going to start off this episode by shouting out all of our high-tier patrons. Thank you to Doot, Usable Object, Senator Tom, Scorish, Unorthodox Bird, Jeff Bezos, Domino, Geos Justin, and our Chad Nas patron, Just Ice. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so at patreon.com slash We've got a bunch of perks lined up for the year 2023 to support our patrons who help support us. Things like signed foil ad nauseum, signed playmats, episodes with you on them, you know, cool shit like that. Um, other than that, in news that's going around, uh, Punt City 2, uh, the tickets are now live. Um, you can go to eminence.events and you can sign up for Punt City 2. It's going to be in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, uh, March 25th and 26th. The room blocks are on there. You can get your tickets, book your rooms, get everything set up on that website and uh, check on your Eminence profile and make sure you're not 03 dropping like your boy. Um, other than that, don't forget to smash that like button and hit subscribe. And for those of you li- listening on a podcast platform like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please make sure you leave us a review and a rating because it'll help us reach new audiences. And with that, we're going to move on to our main phase. So today we're going to be talking all about tournament prep. For the year 2023, we have tons of tournaments lined up for CEDH specifically. We have almost two events going on every month. And when I say events, I mean like over 150 plus people events. That's not including all the locals that are running CDH events nowadays. Big stores like Rip and Ship up in New York, even in our area, places like uh, the Mana Vault and, um, you know, Warp Storm holding really, really big CDH events. So um, because of this and how big the format is getting, we wanted to have an episode with two of our favorite grinders talking about tournament prep. Um, just how we prepare for tournaments, what kind of things we do, how we look at the meta, and all these different types of evaluations going into events and how we get mentally prepared to play in a tournament. So that's why we brought on friends like Chris, Rocketman, and Alex Accepted, who have tons of history playing in these events, placing in these events, and putting up results. No better people to talk to than the grinders that hang out on Grinder themselves. So uh, to start with, we're going to ask our first question. So uh, we want to talk about how you guys specifically got into the tournament scene. Um, People know how me and Kian kind of got into it. They've watched our journey throughout all of this. But as our guest, we kind of want to know where you got your start, uh, where where your footings in the format kind of came from, and how that's developed throughout time. So why don't we start with you, Chris, because your story is pretty unique, and then we'll go into Alex's story. Um, Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to dive into it. Um, so basically I've been playing magic on and off for like 10 years. Uh, I started playing when I was like 12 in Boy Scouts and, uh, I've basically been in love with the game ever since, um, started on M13 and I've been playing on and off for a while, picked up Hearthstone for a bit when I put it down, but, uh, I picked magic 
back up right around the uh, middle of the pandemic. Uh, I was sick with Hearthstone, and I wanted to start playing Magic again. And uh, at the university I go to, there was a Hearthstone team, and there was also a Magic team. And I was already on the Hearthstone team, and I wanted to get affiliated with the Magic team. So long story short, I meet the guy who's head of the Magic team, someone by the name of Ben. And um, I hang out with Ben and start playing with him a lot more. And um, I was always aware of like casual commander um, to this day. Um, and I've always had this deck. I had a Krenko mob boss casual deck that I've been like slowly upgrading over time. And I played a lot of commander with him. And he was like, oh, you should like hear about this format called CDH. And at first I thought it was stupid. I thought competitive was the antithesis of commander, but uh, I started playing some decks, started watching some like YouTube channels, like playing with power and play to win were two of the big ones that really got me into the format. From there, I played a ton with Ben and he invited me to play with his like play group. And I met a bunch more people through that. And the more and more CDH I played, the more and more I realized how fun of a format it is, how skill intensive of a format it is. And honestly, it's, it's very unique because uh, a lot of the skills that are good in CDH don't transfer, but a lot of the skills do transfer from 60 card magic. So um, I've had a lot of fun learning the format over the months, like 2022, I learned a ton of CDH. Um, when I like the first started, I really didn't have any interest in tournaments. Um, I didn't feel that confident in my skill level. Like I was trying to get better as a magic player, but uh, around like April, I decided that I really wanted to like try and improve my skill. So I was really playing a lot of pauper and I still played CDH on the side. I went to a pauper 1k. I scrubbed out and I was like, this sucks. Uh, I kind of like lost interest in competitive, but then um, I found out about Punt City because you know, Ben introduced me to Mikey and him and Zane put together Eminence Gaming with Mike Bonnie and Punt City. And it was in my backyard. So I figured I might as well go right at the worst. Like I get to meet all these people that I played with online and um, enjoy myself. And at the best, I get to compete and maybe have a spot. So um, I brought Blue Farm, which was pretty much the only deck I played. I started out in Orvar, but I switched over to Blue Farm after I realized that deck kind of sucks it's really fun but it's just not that amazing um anyways so i get prepped for punt city and i'll go into more of that later but um i show up but i ended up doing really well for my first event i ended up making it all the way to top four uh unfortunately lost a really good game in finals but after that i was hooked like i could not put down the format i was like i want to be here like this is so much fun so from there, I really went full throttle. Um, a month or two later, I went to Oko. Uh, scrubbed out at Oko, but I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. And um, I'm a big fan of in-person tournaments. Not as much webcam, but I want to try and give webcam more of a spin in 2023. But um, overall, uh, I see myself as someone who wants to attend at least like five to six CDH events a year, whether they're webcam or in-person. And... Um, I think they're a ton of fun, but yeah, I have a long history of magic, but the last year or so has really been CDH, especially the last six months. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And I, and I like your story because it's uh, pretty different from the vast majority of like the established CDH player base. Like, like even like Kian, I know has been playing like CDH since 2015. So like they're like entrenched in the format. Right. And like, been been playing for as long as they've been playing magic like like in theory a little bit whereas like you you've you really just dived into the format since like last year and 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 specifically like punt city is really where you got your footing in it 
um, and got really comfortable with competitive, the competitive side of it, right? And like tournament grinding. So it's really cool to, to kind of hear your perspectives and, and how you approach tournament grinding, especially coming from someone who's played a lot more 60 card comparative to, to you know, 100 card singleton four player magic. Um, Alex, why don't you talk about how you got into the format and how you got into, you know, tournament CDH specifically? Oh, absolutely. Um, I started off with Magic in about 2012 when Return to Ravnica game came out. Uh, played for a little bit, played through Theros, and then stopped for a while when uh, Cons of Tarkir came out. And then Dominaria came out and my friend was like, hey, do you want to play Commander? And I'm sitting there like, I have no idea what Commander is. Uh, is it Magic the Gathering? They're like, yeah. I was like, okay, but screw it. I'll make it. I'll make a deck. So I built, I don't remember what I built, but I built just the worst deck ever. Played with them for a while. Uh, play, played, a, played a while just playing casual with some friends and didn't get into competitive until I think Tulane got released in Throne of Eldraine. And I was like, oh, this, this looks fun. It looks powerful. I was right about one of those things. It was kind of powerful at the time. It was not fun at all. Uh, it was one of the most boring decks I've ever played in my life. So quickly got out of that, even though I owned it in paper. Uh, started playing Quark and Sakashima, which is a very fun deck. Uh, my friends hated playing against it, though. So I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to play something else. It, this is not my thing. So I played... I just started playing a few different decks. Uh, played a weird two Ikras deck, uh, Ikra Sakashima, and it was not very good. <laughs> yeah, that's when I met Mikey. So uh, I played that in my first tournament, which was Founders Cup, which was twenty, the end of twenty twenty one, and then in twenty twenty two I switched over to Kenrith, and I play. I started just playing in every tournament I could. I played in. Uh, playing with Power March, and I got top 16 there. That was my second tournament ever. Uh, third tournament was Marchesa. Scrub, scrubbed out. Did terrible. Um, and then I played in a bunch of other online events, like uh, the one I won, which was Play Max 3, and top forward uh, the very recent Mox Masters. And, yeah, I've just been in the format, like, completely this past year playing in as many tournaments as I could met rocket at punt city. It was, it's been a great time. Yeah. Everybody has like their own kind of um, journey when it comes to CDH and how they get into the format. And when you talk to like the grinders and the people that like play in every single event or playing as many events as they can make, they, they all have like really unique journeys and stories as well. Cause like Alex, at this point, you're kind of known as like the Kenrith guy. So, like, when someone's got a question about Kenrith, it's like, you go to Alex, right? Because Alex has been, like, the only person that's won a large tournament with Kenrith and the only person that's, like, consistently placing in multiple events with the same list. And then, Chris, you come from this mindset of, like, um, I'm going to play the best deck that's possible and bring it to this event um, no matter what I, uh, no matter what other people tell me, right? Like, I'm going to play the best thing that's going to, uh, boost my odds of winning and that's what I'm going to show up to an event with and you did your first event and you top forward and it was like 
um, for it was a big talking point. I remember after Punt City because people were talking about how like, oh, this guy's only been playing CDH for like six months, and he top four his first event by playing the best deck. From now on, people should just be playing the best mm-hmm. deck, and that's kind of where like you see like that there was like a big meta shift and, and a mind a mindset change in the community about like what what you should be bringing to a tournament, right? And then what type of play styles and things you should adopt when going into them which is uh which is kind of cool to see and see how these journeys evolve and things like that like alex i had no idea that you played you know two ikras or kirk's hakashima before you were in kenrith i thought I you only played kenrith that's it <laughs> i didn't know you had played any other form of decks i thought you came out the womb with a kenrith in your yeah, hand yeah kenrith right like... here <laughs> i have a card for for wizards <laughs> the homelander kenrith altar you know was right next to him when he was born yeah <laughs> so i don't like, know where uh, my kenrith altars are <laughs> i know that <laughs> i know that for like kian and i when it came to uh tournament play um we were pretty well established into our local metas right like we were we come from the the breed of people that only played cdh locally and we never existed online we never had you know been a part of online tournaments or online events and so like we would just bring our decks and jam at every local event that we could find and like it got to a point where we were playing at what like three stores a week at one point just like grinding yeah, two where or we three. Could. yeah and and playing you know multiple nights throughout the week and then i uh, kind of similar to you chris i found out about like online play through playing with power and play to win. I think those were the first two discords I ever joined. And when I joined playing with power, they were still doing leagues at the time. So you would, uh, you would get in and then uh, you would play in this league and there would be uh, like point systems throughout the league. And then people would win the league. And I, I remember I met like Gustav through the league and a bunch of other different players through the league. I remember getting, fucking stomped on dude like i, I thinking, yeah dude i remember thinking i was good and i was like bringing something's never changed huh <laughs> dude, <laughs> listen i've been through i've been through a long journey okay but um yeah and and a journey so from the after, bottom to the bottom i'm, I'm like I'm a like lateral journey <laughs> oh, the comments are just gonna be riddled with like why all the adam hate this episode <laughs> But, this uh, is normal. <laughs> this is this is the behind behind the scenes stuff yeah. that you typically don't. Uh, Alex see and I are the two biggest Adam haters. <laughs> but um, after the after playing with power leagues, then uh, I think the first event that I ever did was Chaos Two, and uh, that was a huge stepping stone because it was something that uh, I had never been a part of before. Right, it was a free tournament with actual prize support, and like you show up to this event, there's a hundred people playing at ten in the morning for prizes, and I was like, this is fucking insane like what, what are all these random people doing and it was such a like a, a a weird experience i remember after that event i told keen about it because i think i was like one game out of top 16 and i was like dude this is amazing like you got to see this shit like people are people are getting up at 10 in the morning it's like a gp but for cdh and you know i've never played in a fucking gp i didn't know those things are like ten thousand people you know entering a day so i was like this is the cdh gps dude and um yeah, we got involved uh, like through chaos, and then you know ended up going. I ended up going to Punt City and meeting you know all of you guys there. Me and Kian went with uh, Chris to Oko. Like we just have kind of dove into this tournament scene, like head first and getting entrenched into the online meta, which I think has taken our game up a ton. I mean, Kian top sixteen at Oko. That was like a huge step up from like where we thought we were as a play group for sure. Um, 
So I don't know if you like uh, express any different feelings about that, Kian, but like that's how how I think our like tournament kind of uh, grind beginnings, has, yeah, kind of evolved, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've been getting more and more involved with the community, and more involved means more play, and tournaments are the only like way of expressing like how much or like what steps you've taken as a player to like get better and achieve like a goal. It's kind of like oh. the pull up or shut up mentality, right? Like if you don't exactly. have any results, you can't really speak, right? Yeah. So speaking of tournaments, I know that uh 2023 Adam mentioned is a big year for tournaments here for CDH tournaments. What do you guys like what do you guys do for preparations for a tournament? Like is there like a specific thing that you do like websites look at go back back and look at vods or chris will throw it to you first awesome um yeah sure so there's like a, a ton of different things that i like to do before a tournament to get prepared so one thing i i want to dive into is like um something that was kind of new to me is like learning how 60 card players prepare for a tournament versus like how cdh players prepare for a tournament so um what 60 card players try to do is like they really try to identify what the metagame is right on a given weekend like um a buddy of mine, uh, Viverus, was telling me about, like, Legacy, how, you know, for, before, like, the initiative came out, like, Delver was the top deck at most weekends. So, like, if you were able to identify that Delver was going to be the majority of the deck, you would want to bring a deck that beats Delver. Mm -hmm. um, so, transferring it over to CDH, it's not as easy to transfer over, right? Because you're not just beating one person at the table. You have to beat three people at the table, number one. And number two, uh, you run into a lot more jank in CDH tournaments. People like to bring what they want. Um, not necessarily the best deck, and they know that. Um, a lot of people really like to have that Brewer's Advantage. And what are you talking about? My my mono green Yeva deck is the best. It's tier zero, right up there with Rock'sai. Change my yeah. Mind. I, oh yeah, for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's the same tier as the amount of wins you'll get. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, it's Adam's favorite deck. <laughs> well, we're not going to get into that right now. Um, but. Honestly, like what I like to do, number one, is just like practice games, right? Um, play with your play group. Um, playing in like an open server, like on like the Nexus or like CDHU, sometimes fire game, playing with power, play to win, all those open servers. Those are good to get like a feel for like the open decks you'll kind of see. Um, I think it's good to try and figure out what every deck wants to do or does generally. Just having like a general idea of where to interact is something good. But personally, I think the best way to prepare for a tournament is to just play a lot and be really confident in your deck, be really confident in your mulligans, be really confident in the roles you have to take in different pods. And um, most importantly, you got to know your outs to everything, and you um, you have to be able to play your deck quickly when it, when it comes to it, right? You shouldn't be having to stall on your deck. Um, I think you have to figure out what deck you're the best at and the most comfortable one, and... You also want to see where it is in the like the general metagame, right? Like if your best deck is like Sadisi Brew Tyrant, no no slander to this deck. You know, it's one of the OGs, but uh, unfortunately like Sultai doesn't really match up like it used to anymore. If that's your best deck and you're like solid at Blue Farm, I, I would say run Blue Farm into a tournament because while you may not be as good as you are Sadisi, um you're gonna have a lot more luck with Blue Farm due to the fact that or TNK, my bad. If we're calling it TNK now, that's Deluxe. another thing. Yeah, TNK, Deluxe, but you want to pick, like, uh, a deck that wins games, right? Like, Grixis Core has shown time and time again that it is the thing to be doing right now in the metagame, besides Winota, 
Um, Grixis Corn and Winota, I think, are the best things to bring to a tournament. Um, I think that Blue Farm, or TNK, does the best into an open meta due to the fact that it, I, I like to call it like a has like a bullshit barometer, right? Like there's like tech cards that you have in a deck that can get you out of like really sticky situations, which uh, Rogsai like doesn't have necessarily, and people tend to really overfocus Rogsai, like especially Oko. I had multiple True. games where. I was not the threat at the table at the current moment, and I was still getting treated like the threat. Like, I could pull five mana and add Nauseam out of my ass with two cards in hand and uh, one land. So, uh, I think TNK is the best deck for that. Um, but I, for me to prepare, I just play a lot of games. Uh, I refine my list as well. Um, I think you should really work on getting your list updated, and especially getting the mana base really good. Um, Go to any like the deck servers. Like I really recommend CDHU for like improving your deck because a lot of the mentors there are really good and receptive. Uh, I'm a TNK mentor myself, but for any of the decks, people love to look at deck lists and help you out and like get you prepared for the event because it, it's it's difficult, right? And brewing is not something easy. It's very subjective and like stuff can change. And sometimes like if you don't play for six months and then you want to come and do an event, like your deck is unfortunately outdated for X, Y, Z reason. And it's always good to just do like a touch up, like sit and talk with someone for an hour and just like take out old cards, put in new cards and like fix any other problems that you could have with the deck. But um, I, I just prepare by playing a lot. That's what I've been doing for uh, the next Mox Masters. I've just been like jamming a lot of games with like my friends. Something that I also like to do as well is like, Telling my friends to like play top decks in the pod, like we'll do two TNK, two Rockside, two Winota, two Rockside, a Winota, TNK, Najila, Rockside, like two Najila. So you can learn how to play against all the different top decks, because um, that's the best way to learn how you beat them in a pod, right? It's it's really good to learn what your role is at a given seat or in a given pod, and the best way to do that is to just practice against all those different decks. And even practice against, like, the random bullshit, right? Like, if your friend has, like, a fringe deck that he loves playing, like, tell him to play it because like one or two games just so, like, you can be prepared for, like, the BS factor. Uh, something to know, too, with those decks is, like, you know, they aren't as good as TK or Blue Farm, but, like, you can't just straight up ignore them or else you're going to lose the game to them and you're not going to expect it. So you should still respect them, just, like, they're, they're not going to place nearly as consistently as one of the, like, metagame killers. That was that was like really in depth and like yeah. uh, a really good explanation there for like. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sorry like, if I droned on a little bit. No, no, no. I think oh, that's good. good. There's like a few takeaways there that I'd <laughs> like to like kind of discuss and some things that I think would, uh, like uh, our viewers specifically like have questions like this that the, that they would like to get answered. So I think it's nice to touch on these. Like something that you talked about was. Um, like uh practicing with your friends and making your friends play like meta meta appropriate decks right so like you you use some examples like having pod mixtures with decks like winota and ajila rogsai t and k um and stuff like that um do you feel like there's any like worth in playing against off meta decks because of like the experience of rogue decks at a tournament and and things like that because like a lot of like um like a lot of viewers in our discord and in our channels that they, like they're big fans of rogue decks and really enjoy playing those and even if they're not like um super rogue decks things that you don't always see like at the table super often so like Minsk, Minsk and boo um 
different uh, different types of like Naya piles, Toxril, decks like that. Those are like decks that we see a lot of people brewing and experimenting with in our circles. So do you think it's like fair to play against those decks that that still hold a candle to the, you know, to the top decks at the table, even though they're not considered, uh, you know, tier zero? Or um, do, you, do you really recommend just like playing with, you know, just the best of the best and, and trying to improve your game that way? Um, so I think that's varied, right? So um, I think like those are the top four decks like I named, but just because they're the top four, there's decks below them that are still very good decks that you should learn how to play against. Um, like your Kenriths, your uh, TNT, Krark Sakashima, Malcolm Slash X, all those decks, you definitely need to learn how to play against those as well. I would recommend testing against those. And the reason I say test against the top four is because we don't have all the time in the world. So the time that you do have, you should be spending it testing against those. And if you end up feeling like you're very confident in those matchups, then you can move on to the next tier. Um, of those decks, I think, number one, you should need to learn how they work, especially like Naya creature piles or Abzan creature piles like or any Hulk deck. You, you need to learn how they learn so you can learn when to interact if you can interact. Uh, it's just good to know how your opponents win the game. It's a really good conversational piece because a lot of times in tournaments, you'll run into a player who's like, oh, I don't really know how this deck works. And you can kind of speak up and be like, oh, well, you should interact XYZ. And it's usually a good way to get them to burn their interaction on your opponent's board and not use it on your board, you know, which helps you win the game, which is the whole point of CEDH, right? Uh, Alex, what are your opinions on that? I'll hand it over to you. On specifically playing against rogue decks? Yeah. Um, so I like practicing it in both an open meta, so like the playing with power servers like that you mentioned earlier, and in my, in my, my close-knit group. Um, the playing with power meta, I'll get like just random decks. Like I'll, I'll play against a Dawn Waker here. I'll play against a Curious Control here and I'll play for six hours because those games will last that long. And sometimes on my, the server with my friends, I'll play against three Rog size and, uh, I can play six games in that same amount of time. That's right. So you'll, you'll begin to learn how these decks work first work and how they win and it is extremely valuable to find out how they win so you can actually beat them <laughs> you don't just have to know how how to how they win you need to know how to beat them and that's extremely important in these tournaments where to interact um, where to interact is extremely important especially with hulk like you mentioned uh because that is the it's the rube goldberg machine of decks like, you'll look at it and you'll be like, he activated sleeper. I don't understand how that card works. Can you please explain that to me? Because none of the cards make sense without every other card included. Um, or like an Orvar deck. They're, they're playing Whims of Volrath and everyone's confused. <laughs> Very so, much so, yeah. 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 <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, I I wanted to ask that because like uh, I know that you guys differ in opinions from that because Alex like before events, I will be like, you know, like where's Alex at today? Like what's he up to? And everybody will just be like, oh, he's jamming and playing with power today, 
or I'll ask you, I'll be like, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm in playing with power today. And you're just jamming games for hours. I'm like, man, this guy is really, you know, really working at it. But that's that's something that you do is you like to compete in an open meta or in a space where um, not everybody's playing the same thing, right? And so it's cool to see how that translates to your game because you are a player that at the table, if, so, if I'm sitting and I see uh i don't know uh what's that clue deck that uh we made oh, fun Tivis? of tivet uh no, no Lannis. Lannis. <laughs> like, like if oh. Lannis, like uh was Tivis at not the that table. clue deck i was about to say <laughs> no 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 no. and and like Lannis was at the table and i was like i don't know how this deck tries to win or whatever like there's a good chance that alex would be like oh yeah it wins like this right and so um it, that, that's uh, a skill that's unique to knowing how your opponents play. And you touched on this, Chris, knowing how your opponents play and what they play, because when it comes time to play against that in an event, you want to have as much knowledge beforehand as possible. You don't get to see decklist the day of an event, right? But if you get to memorize and know that at least I know for sure that this is what this deck should be running and should be playing, I can plan my game and my strategy around that throughout the game. And it's like the reason why, like when you play with uh, like even the best decks, right? Like if you play against a Winota deck, right, at the table, you know two things, right? The first thing is you cannot let Winota develop, so you can't let Winota get on the field, and you can't let them start hitting flips because as soon as they do, they overrun the board. Or the other thing that you know is you're going to say, "Oh, I know Winota is going to develop, so in order to counteract that, I need to, you know, mulligan for a dress down or another way to implement my game plan beyond." this specific player and the same thing goes for like blue farm or other decks where you're like okay i have to have removal for the najila or i have to be prepared for the adnaz and i have to have interaction and you plan your strategy around what you know and if you don't know what's going on at the table you can get fucked and then you'll lose the game because of that and that's like the worst feeling when you lose the game when you know you could have prevented it if you had done something or made a different decision so then uh, on the topic of tournament prep and staying on it Alex, besides just playing in open metas, what other ways do you specifically prep for tournaments? So I like to look at the deck lists on the database, just generally just look at them, understand what is out there, because there's new decks out there every day that I wouldn't expect to see ever, like Vohar Scepter. I needed to know that that was just a Demir Scepter deck, and that's all I needed to look at. Um, or and another thing I do is... If it's something like a, uh, if it's something like Marchesa where they had open, like they, you could see everyone else's signups. Yeah, I just look at all the decks. I write all, I write all of them down, see what the meta is because, hey, if you're gonna let me see it, I'm gonna pay attention. Um, I'll look at the players who signed up because I often know who the players are, and I can judge what they're playing by who they are. Like if I if Greg signed up, I know he's playing Curious Control. That's it. If I if Adam two months ago signed up, he's playing Sacred Sacred Guide. I, <laughs> sacred and entry I, fee donator. Yeah. Sacred entry fee donator. Yeah, yeah, that deck. So that's something I often do. Uh, like more closer to the event, I will like day of or day before. I just like get good sleep, eat well, drink a lot of water because I don't want to be dehydrated and my brain not work. Uh, and Red Bull. Don't talk to me like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> I drink a lot of caffeine because I'm a fiend for caffeine. Uh, yeah, definitely bring it into the event in a water bottle that... It's definitely water. Yep. <laughs> Did that at Marchesa. Um, <laughs> they didn't allow outside food or drink. 
uh, get snacks at the event just so you're high energy. So you're not like just passing out round four. Um, just a bunch of little things like that and talking to your opponents, like being friendly with them. So they lower their guard a little bit is very important as well. If you're just like hackles up, you're just like, I'm just going to play and I'm going to win. You might just lose games. Cause they're going to look at you and be like, I don't like that guy. I want him <laughs> to lose. Playing to win. I don't like that. <laughs> um, well, you, you can no. play to win, but you can be a nice guy. <laughs> There's a difference. I've heard that like, if you're nice enough, that you'll win an event one day. Yeah, I don't know where that belief comes from, but yeah. <laughs> I've seen it maybe, on Twitter. The, the, you know, maybe a few yeah, people specific. I, I forgot, getting retweets is the same as getting a uh, like CDH tournament win. I, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. I, I don't get a lot of retweets, but I've won a tournament. What does that mean? Mm, oh, it, means uh, it means you're a good player. No, it oh, means okay. there was a gap in the matrix, and you just happened to slip yeah. through that time. <laughs> just that break um, in the system so when we had uh when we had koval on after his uh win at okotoberfest something that we touched on with him is like rituals during the event right um like we talked with him about how like he'll like go off in a corner and and hide and like play, play in marvel Rush. snap or, <laughs> yeah it's like in between rounds to like like uh disassociate from like magic in general and so I was curious for you guys, if there are any rituals that, that you two implement? Like, is there anything that you do at an event that you're like, you know, I didn't think of it as a ritual, but now that I think of it, like, yeah, I always do this. Or like, even when you're playing in like online events, is if there's anything that you do, or is it pretty much you just go with the flow and, and just like jam and you kind of just get in that zone? Uh, well, I, I can start. Uh, I don't have that many. Um, like like Alex said, like I make sure to get like a good night's sleep, especially for day one. Um, have like caffeine and have food, breakfast. Like you got have food in me, but like that's not really a ritual. That's just like good tournament practice. Um, I always end up re-sleeping before a tournament. Like even if I do it two days before, the day before or day like that morning, I'm going to end up re-sleeping. Uh, like the cursed re-sleeve, it just kind of happens. The they call me re-sleeves McGee. Like, if I'm about to do a tournament, it doesn't matter. Last time I sleeved, I'm re-sleeving the day before. So I, that's kind of my ritual. Uh, I get all the bad juju out of the sleeves, get all the bad RNG <laughs> out of the sleeves. Um, you know, and then I put on new sleeves. You know, put my make my ad nauseum like three pounds so I know where it is, obviously. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't do that. But um, re-sleeving before every tournament is probably, like, my best ritual. And then, like, in between rounds, um, I always like to, like, go up to my friends and see how they're doing. Like, uh, I've always really enjoyed that. And for, like, webcam stuff, like, hopping in a VC with all your friends. Um, I just like talking to people in between rounds because, like, that's kind of how I decompress at an event. Because there's, like, so many people. Um, you get to meet so many new faces and, like, see people that you've, like, seen on the internet and stuff. And it's, like, really cool. So I just like to talk to people and decompress. That's kind of how I do my sort of rituals in between uh, rounds at events. Uh, how about you, Alex? In between rounds, you should know this. I also am just walking around talking to my best of friends. Um, that's just how I do things. If it's online tournament, I'll just hop in a voice chat with 15 people and just laugh about random stuff or complain and get out all of my anger from the previous round. It's just decompressing, detilting is very important. If you get tilted, like you often do, Rocket, you need to... <laughs> hey, Take it out of your system. 
<laughs> yeah. No molding allowed at a tournament. All right. No, no yeah. molding allowed. No <laughs> molding. That's funny that you said that you re-sleeve for every tournament. Before I went to Oko, I literally grabbed my oldest sleeves that I own and I slapped them on. Like literally the oldest sleeves, like they were dirty. I had to go in and clean every single card, but you know, the, 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 they're so packed with good luck or they were packed with good luck. That grammar's hard, but, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Do you guys, you guys I, don't I have like, like the same week pair. before? Week a before. Week before? Yeah. Like a week before. See, I was, I was curious if you guys had like your lucky underwear that you wear and like you wear like one sock backwards. You know, I don't know if you guys have like, <laughs> what the like fuck? <laughs> that's like sports, like sports rituals, dude. Like sports players, they get all like real like conspiracy and shit. They'll be like, yeah, I fucking never wash my helmet because if I if I wash my gear, I'll, I won't play as good anymore. It's like I wonder <laughs> CDH players are the same way. They're like, I wear the same outfit to every CDH event or something. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean I drink I drank coffee for the one I won and the one I top forward, so maybe I should drink coffee instead of Red Bull. Maybe but, you should no. just drink coffee more. Always before I should be drinking coffee every day. But there you go. So I'm trying to think for like us. I don't know if there's like anything like that I do specifically like for tournament prep. Like I'll I'll tell you what I think I'm good at when it comes to tournaments. <laughs> Oh boy, at... here we go again. I think I'm good at hyping up other people to do well in their events. I feel like oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm a good yeah, hype man. Yeah. I'm really good at like getting someone out of getting people like out of like the dump if they feel like they're gonna fail or they're not like gonna make it. And like being like, hey, you know, you're not out of it yet. Get another chance. I think like if, if people want to hire me, I'll come up with a rate and I'll come to an event. With you. And if you're doing bad, I'll motivate you to do better. I'm you're the CDH well. hype man. You're the CDH <laughs> hype man. But like, that's like the only thing that I, cause like I spend a lot of time at like the in-person events I go to where I, I just like start talking to my friends and asking like, how'd your games go? What did you do? Blah, 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 blah. And I end up always like finding someone that's just like down in the dumps and like not really feeling it. And like, we end up having to have a pep talk about like, Hey, it's just a fucking game. Like, let's, you know, get our heads back into it and get back out there, champ. And I slap them on the butt and we go, you know, go to the next game. No, I'm just... <laughs> but, uh... So there's yeah. a rate no, for you, No, you do that. You do that. I mean, everyone... What, if it's what's somebody, your rate? Really well. <laughs> but, uh, other than that, like, that's... Because, like, for... When it comes to actual tournaments, like, I don't sleep well the night before. I'm usually up till, like, three in the morning partying or, like you know, getting messed up with my friends. And then like the day of the event, I like takes me till round three to finally wake up. And then, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, I feel like I'm the worst example of like a proper tournament grinder. And your results show that. I've, I've been only one game out of top 16 for like three events. And I only owe three dropped one event. And that was two events. Two events. No, oh, three, two is not oh, three drop. Oh, three, two is oh, three drop. <laughs> o three two drop is O three drop. Just because you slow played twice doesn't make it not an O three drop. We're very high on the slow play enforcement here on Sad Okay. Um, what about you, Kian? Do you feel like there's something like specific that you uh, you do for like tournament prep? Uh, you still us yours for... instead of Adam. <laughs> I got I got Adam and Kevin hype me up at least at Oko. Um, something during the event, every round I have to go outside and smoke because I'm a, um, nicotine addict. So I got to do that. That that's mandatory. That's a good um, ritual. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good ritual. Really good for your health. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Only health con conscientious things here. Um, okay. 
<laughs> Can't, uh, good sleep before is always good. Not like day two. or I don't think I got good sleep day two. Um, I know some rituals but, that you have at our like local tournaments, you know, like you always got your hey, water hey, bottles. We don't talk <laughs> about the rituals about local <laughs> tournaments. Don't worry about the water bottle filled with Mountain Dew and vodka. Okay, that's that's gamer juice. <laughs> but yeah, good 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 sleep. Donkey, and you're right, that is gamer juice. It's literally gamer juice, dude. Like it's like people shit on Mountain Dew and vodka, but it's actually pretty good. Anyway, it's was... just it's just like two liters of Red Bull. Yeah, I think there is something that you, you do. Thing. You do that you forgot to mention, Kian. Is like usually in oh, between Moxfield. rounds. No, usually in between rounds and stuff. I see you always staring at the flavor text of all the cards that you're playing with, <laughs> and like you know, it can. It, it's it's odd to me sometimes, but and I'm always wondering why. Do you want to explain why you're always staring at the flavor text of your? Well, cards? listen. Let me tell you something about the best segment of our show here: the flavor text of the week. Listen, uh, for those who don't know. Flavor text of the week is where I can try to stump the cast on on the show, and you guys are at home with a challenging flavor text. So, to start off with, I'm going to start with uh, the people on the show. You guys ready for it? Simone's brilliance drew attention from many, including the sinister mages known as the Urker. Urk? I don't know how to say that word. But there it is. Do you guys want me to read it again? Look at fucking Chris's face, dude. <laughs> I don't read my flavor text, dude. I'm not Can even going to lie. All right. Zamone's brilliance drew attention from many, including the sinister mages known as the Auric. Do you have, like, a hint? You guess <laughs> okay. first, so then I'll um, give you a hint. Don't you know how this works here, dude? Come on. It's from uh, the college uh, set. Strixhaven? Yes, yeah, from Strixhaven, because the Auric is from Strixhaven. Ooh, Someone knows okay. about lore. Holy moly. Whoa. Oh, shit, dude. This guy, like, what, is it, what is it called when you're into lore and magic? Uh, it's, Vorthos. Oh, I was going to say a pothost, but that's a plant. <laughs> um, so Strixhaven, what are playable Strixhaven cards? Oh. A calling um, ritual. Yeah, that's the one. Is it? Uh, is that, is that yeah, EI is the other one, but I'm gonna go with uh, calling ritual. What are you thinking, Alex? Um, I probably should read that card. It's it's on my desk. What's or wait? What's the Oric in Strixhaven? Is it like a guild? The bad guys. Is it's it a, the bad guys. Yeah, I know, but is it like a guild color? Is like the Oric a specific no. Guild color? No, no, they're just evil. They're bad guy. Calling you need the to week catch up on your like, lore, dude. Calling the week sounds like an evil thing. Calling let's, the week is guess not that card. Calling not ritual. Calling the week is the um the one that you sack rock to. You're a little this idiot. Is, they're the <laughs> same yeah. thing. Same Exodus. Um, uh, expressive iteration. It is not ei. Death? Not okay. ei. And did we determine it's not calling ritual? Yeah, it's not calling ritual. Is it in strict? Um, is it a strict saving card? It is a strict saving card. Wow, um, it's like I knew that. Ink, uh, uh, what's the what's the ink card, uh, that makes inklings? Does the C does the C play in any formats? Yes, this is a CDH playable card. Okay, that's. Hmm. Is it the counter spell that looks at someone's hand? No. Resculpt. Okay. Is it resculpt? It is not resculpt. That's in Strixhaven, right? <laughs> it, it's playable in CDH. It's very. Are, is it a medium, Sakashima card? Mm, yes. Okay. See, there's. A, I'm trying to think of weird Strixhaven. Cards. Is it uh, 
the the uh, dude that makes treasures. Is it is it the bounce spell? <laughs> the bounce. It's spell. not the bounce no. spell. No, is there? There's uh, the it's not the guy that makes treasures because that's is not it from... Archmage Emeritus? It no. is not Archmage. It is a spell. Uh, it's a spell. Well, uh, there's got to be a spell that like. Uh, it, all right. It's playable in Crackstone. Is it playable in Orvar? Yes, yeah, super playable in Orvar. Oh, so it targets it targets something. So, no. well, then why? How would it be playable? It, it, in Orvar? it costs three mana. So solve the equation. There you go, Chris got it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I narrowed it down to a set for you guys. That was yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely right forgot about that card, dude. Yeah, it's, it's it's okay. It's an okay card. It's all right. Yeah. So, so all right. Now for a... for the audience's flavor text, this one's super easy. I expect Scorish and uh, Maria and uh, all the other peeps to get this in 0.25 seconds because Scryfall is fast. Anyways, <laughs> I pray that I am never considered useless or old. Saram the Hedgemon. Hedgemon. Okay. Sharoom? Bam. Sharoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to say words. They're hard. But yeah, that's your flavor text. I will say it again. I pray that I am never considered useless or old. Sharoom the Hedgebond. So, moving on to the next question for you guys here. So, uh, we know that um, Silicon Dynasty is right around the corner, as, as well as a plethora of other CDH tournaments coming up in 2023. What do you guys think that the meta will be like at Silicon in these tournaments? And... What will the meta be like going forward? Alex, I'll throw it to you first. Um, I think the meta will be very similar to what we've seen in recent online tournaments. So Blue Farm will be the most popular deck. That is the coldest take in the world. Um, we're going to see a lot of... Frigid. Uh, yeah, it's a frigid <laughs> take. Uh, we're going to see a lot of Roger... Tavesh turbo stacks because it's that's like the Roger don't 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 say Roger on my podcast it's Rog okay thank you yeah Rog is Pog um Rog (laughs) Tavesh um turbo stacks because that's the meta in California we're gonna see the a Jessica Timna build that no one should play um crack pipe brewing yeah crack pipe Jessica Timna (laughs) It has a name, but I, I don't think it, it deserves one. Um, uh, there's going to be some Rog Silas because it's a great deck. There's going to be a lot of Winota because people enjoy that deck. And it's amazing. Not just that they enjoy it. And there's going to be a million TNT decks because there's a million ways to build TNT decks. True. And, that, and there's 50% of the meta for you right there. Congratulations. You now learned how CEDH works. Um... <laughs> Thanks, Professor Alex. I appreciate your lesson today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be pretty much the meta, though. Beautiful. Gotcha, Chris. What do you think? What? What? You you concur with Alex here, or you think there's going to um, be like? A... I, I do on a, on a lot of stuff. So I think TNK is number one right now. Uh, I think TNK is the deck to beat, and uh, luckily the deck that beats TNK already exists. It's called Rockside. Uh, I think you're going to see a good amount of Rockside uh, as people. A lot of people really, really like the deck. I think TNK and Roxai are one and two, two and one. I think uh, Nikila Breach is a really, really good deck too. Uh, people are starting to adopt that. That hasn't been like as widely adapted, but I think the more and more people play it, 
the more and more you'll see it. Winota's a very good deck. I think those are your top four uh, decks right now. And I think those, especially Winota, TNK, and Rockside, those are going to be the most popular decks. Besides that, uh, like Alex said, Rock Devesh, Turbo Stacks, people love that deck in Cali. That's so cal meta as you get. Super Stacks, turn one, three ball. Uh, that's another deck that you got to learn how to play against. You got to keep hands that aren't as explosive if you're like going third or fourth seat and a deck like that is ahead of you is otherwise they're going to play a turn one three ball or whatever and they're going to punish you and you're going to be like damn i suck at magic so be prepared for that deck um alex said uh there's like this mad farm deck called the chapel that you're going to see a lot of it's uh, a little different than like the ddb list uh for tibia jessica it's it's uh interesting it's that's bad. what i'll say <laughs> i would i don't want to say that word bad right um, i do I think- it's kind of bad <laughs> 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 um besides that you have like the usual suspects right malcolm x whether it's malcolm vile malcolm tana people like to play other malcolm malcolm esper i like esper malcolm besides that i don't think any of the other malcolms are viable um you got like your poly decks crux sakashima is a deck that there's gonna there's gonna be dedicated pilots too it's a solid deck you can't ever sleep on crux sakashima mm-hmm. um and then TNT, like Alex said, people love TNT. I think TNT is definitely losing a lot of popularity. It's it's kind of slow. Uh, green's probably the worst color in CDH right now, and red is really, really good. You'll lose explosiveness with, like, Dockside, and Timna's kind of a slow draw engine. The meta's really speeding up. Like, uh, TNK falls back on Timna versus, like, TNT, like, really uses Timna a lot. Like, dorks are dropping off in viability. So, TNT's falling, but you're still going to see a lot of TNT. It's a good mid-range deck. It plays well in the stacks. And you're going to see random-ass stacks decks. You're going to see that at every event. That'll never go away. People love to play Yasharn, uh, like, white Wincomless stacks, like, Naya stacks, Abzan stacks, uh, Rock Tvesh Poly stacks. People love their stacks decks. Uh, the viability of stack stacks is uh, another thing to dispute, but you just got to be prepared for them. Um, don't let them mind control you. If uh, a guy playing mono white tries to tell you how to play your deck, don't listen to him, but he's going to play mono white and he's going to top 16, maybe top four. And that's just how it is. Just don't listen to him. Um, cause he's going to mind control you. Stacks players want to mind control you, but you're, and you're going to see stacks decks, um, Stacks are a recipe for tie, but a couple stack stacks always make it into the top 16. Um, besides that, you know, watch out for your random brews. A really good pilot can bring a brew pretty far, right? Like this, while we're talking about the meta, CDH is largely, uh, you could get away with open bullshit all the time. If you're a good magic player, you're going to do well. But be prepared for everything. Uh, that, that's what I think the meta is going to be. But most TNK, Rockside, Najila, Winota, and. Um, if it's a Cali event, watch out for Rock Tavesh and uh, the Chapel. Mm. There's uh, the a chap- few things that Kenrith you- is good too, but Alex is the only one that really plays Kenrith anymore. But it's a good deck, and don't sleep on Kenrith. He'll kick your know, ass dude. on Kenrith. I saw there's like there's some like there's some you're speaking spice. from a, a bit of you're yeah. Bit Alex of- beat my ass round one at Punt City on Kenrith, so okay. I have personal experience for that. Yeah, you see like wacky brews all the time, right? Like, who knows what you'll see? You might see Cody on Hermit Druid. Who knows what's out there? You know, there's just like all types of decks that people aren't prepared for. But something that I want to touch on that you kind of like discuss, because I I can't I can't just let you do it and and get away with it, right? The 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 TNT slander. Um, <laughs> recently, uh, one of our friends has been working on like a statistics 
page and like a statistics site talking about like tech performances and things like that. And like, I do agree with the idea that like TNT seems to be like falling off, but even in the year 2022, it still has the second most placements out of any deck uh, for top 16s. It's blue farm is first and TNT is second with just like the most consistent. Oh, oh, uh, What's the first and second most popular decks? Is it T and K and then T and T? Because that just sounds like how math works. Yeah, but that still doesn't. I mean, still. Man. What about like translation rate? I, I don't speak another language, so I can't tell you about translation. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, so I think the thing with TNT is at the start of the year, people kind of said it was the best deck or one of the best decks. But I think, uh, especially since Punt City, uh, a lot of opinions have kind of fallen on TNT. So I think it's like. Uh, kind of a generalization to look at all of 2022 well, um, not, versus not, like though, right? the last. So like Oktoberfest, right? You had in the final pod, you had Don Waker Thrasios, uh, Timna Thrasios, you had um, Timna Krom, and then Timna Krom. I, so thought it, like, I thought it was Blood Pod. No, no it was, it was, it was Don Waker, oh, it was TNT, TNK, Yeah, which I think is still like a very real representation of what the meta is like if you want to look at like a top four snapshot and be like this is what 2022 was i think that's a pretty good example is like okotoberfest final pod was you know dawn waker tnt and two tnks like the only thing that was missing from that pile was rogsai right for like you want to talk about like the most popular decks in the format right now so like well so, so like my, my like rebuttal to that right is like you were talking about this upcoming year not this past year Right, I think that's why I said I think you're going to see TNT fall off a little bit. Like you still have your dedicated TNT pilots, you know, like Sick Robot, who's going to bring TNT. And it's just a very good Ram. player, uh, and will like top four events. But I think my point is you're going to see less TNT than you have in the past. I think people are moving yeah, on. Other I, I think I think the people that like value mid range and want to push towards a mid range deck are going to start to transition towards like Dawn Waker, which has the explosiveness of red. And dockside combos, which is like really easy to like draw your deck. Alex, you know how easy dockside combos are in CDH. They're really <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's my favorite I, thing yeah, to do. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see like where the meta develops because like uh, something that like I have always been a believer in is like overcorrections, right? So like you see like shifts in the meta that happen, then they're big swings because when people see something uh, and they see something succeed or they see something fail, the meta shifts drastically in that direction, right? So like a, a deck that like a perfect example of this would be like Winota, right? Like Winota, um, when it first got made, was uh, like kind of like surprising tournaments and like taking things down like really, really uh, efficiently and uh, won like a few events when it was like first, uh, like first kind of came on the scene being a deck. Then throughout 2022, it was one of the most popular decks, like number one submitted decks for multiple tournaments in a row, simply because like P the, the meta was adapting and people were starting to pick up the deck more than ever. Right. And so that's when you see an event like Punt City where there's 12 Winota decks at one event. And you're just like, what the hell? And even at Oktoberfest, there was like, you know, out of 160 people, you know, if there's 15 people on Winota, that's still a large number. Because, like, with the amount of decks and options out there, I mean, there's over 100 decks on the database, right? Like, the you wouldn't think the field would be as saturated. So I think that 
when you see now like the success of like Blue Farm and like Rogsai and Turbo Strategies, you're going to see that big shift where you're going to see tons of people switching to those decks. And it's going to be like an overcorrection where now you're going to go to an event and like upwards of 20% of the field is on Blue Farm, right? Um, which is like a very real thing that could happen. And then I think it's going to, you're going to see a shift back and it's just going to kind of keep waning back and forth. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see like where that meta evolves this year, but I think it's leading in that turbo direction as, as mid range is kind of like winning less and less events as it did in like the year 2021, when most events were online or on trice, right now, now you're going to see an overcorrection to a lot of like turbo ad nauseum strategies and things like that. And then, you know, if. People have figured out that the Grixis shell is uh, really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're seeing <laughs> less rogue out. decks. You're seeing less rogue decks win, right? Remember at Marchessa when Magda won? How big of a yeah. deal that was? And everybody's like, oh my fucking God, Magda won? And like, you, you still Not going to lie, like... that deck sucks. I played it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> but um, that, that was like a, that was like very, um, that was like a snapshot of the time, right? Because when you think about that, like Magda in the top four, OG Heliod in the top four, right? Like that was, that was the point where like, yes, remember when Yisan took down like a qualifier in two tournaments and like, like in like a couple months apart from each other. Like that was the moment where like rogue decks were taking over. And then the meta like completely changed. And then by the end of the year, it was just the best decks were winning events. So I think that like CDH, I always like joke around that CDH, like three months is a year in CDH time. And like every three months, something drastic changes that makes it feel like that was years ago. But in reality, it was only, you know, 90 days. So that's how like I'm kind of like really excited to see like where 2023 is headed. I don't know if you guys like agree with that or, or think similarly or have a completely different opinion, but um, yeah, do you want us to like talk about it? Um, yeah, because sure. So I think Alex would probably agree with me. So I think one of the things that really made mid range good was mid range is really good at navigating through the Swiss bullshit, especially the Swiss stacks decks, right? Because Mid-range decks are like, okay, cool, you can play your early stacks pieces. I'm going to get my Thrasios in play, I'm going to get my Timna in play, and I'm going to draw three to four cards a turn, and I'm going to outvalue you. Uh, here's the Thoracle Consult, I win. Or like, here's a Hermit Druid line, or here's Divining Witch, whatever it may be. Uh, Mid-range is really good at playing through stuff like Rule of Law and Collector Oof. But um, the a lot of these stacks players, the, there's really good stacks players who do have results, but uh, stacks is really, really difficult to play. And a lot of the stacks just aren't very good. And not only that, but CDH players in general are getting mad better in Magic as time goes on. Um, so you're seeing less and less stacks in Swiss, and you're seeing Turbo uh, get become more and more Turbo. There's always Turbo, but Turbo beats mid-range. And without stacks to stop the Turbo decks, mid-range just loses to the turbo decks, you know, like they don't, they're not able to get as much card advantage as quickly. And that's what's leading to like decks like TNK really taking over. And what's so great about TNK is like, it's not the ideal mid range deck, but it can play the mid range game fine. And even Rogsai has a decent mid range game. People will have you believe that that deck folds to a single rule law effect or whatever, but like it doesn't like Mystic or more is a stupid magic card. And as long as you have a Mystic or more out, you're going to able to, power through and basically the, the it's insane like um so mid-range is falling off and it's still a very good strategy and there's still plenty of good mid-range pilots but the uh 
the, the like random people coming into tournaments or like random people picking up CDH are less likely to pick up mid range as much and more likely to pick up turbo due to the recent tournament results and there's less like random stack stacks. Uh, ha- do you agree with that, Alex? Or I would mostly agree with that. I would say there are some there. There's like the TNT kind of decks that are falling off. I would say that because there's explosive mid range decks like the Blue Farms, the Kenriths, and the uh, Dawnwakers of the world that will just in an instant just win the game. Like playing against any of the of the faster decks, e- even then. Like I have won multiple games on turn two because I said, "Oh, I have a culling ritual in hand. I win." And yeah, it against all the fast decks, or I'll. Or the Dawn Waker deck will just be like, oh, I dockside, I play other half of combo, I win. That's it. Yep. And they can do that as early as turn two, or turn one if they're in fourth position. It's just kind of the, the shit that happens. I think decks without red are falling off. People have taken the breach pill. Yeah, That's what I mean, it is, the breach pill. I, I think I mean, it's the dockside pill as well. Mm. Exactly, you got both. You got breach and dockside. Yeah, like, yeah, you get you, you get the best ritual and you get the best win con. Like I think that like we've been like proponents of the idea that, or at least on our podcast, that like at this point I would consider breach the best card in CDH, just like hands down. Like if yeah. you if you play red, you you play around breach. You 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 build your deck around that. And if you're not playing breach in your red deck, you're just a worse deck. Um. Even like decks that don't need it, like Crux Sakashima, just play Underworld Breach now because it's just the Shit, value why of it. Not? Is, yeah, the value is just <laughs> so strong. And when you can cash ship for free and bounce it back to your hand after using Breach and fucking get, you know, your free spell a million times, like, dude, have you ever seen like fucking three Karks and a Mind Break Trap, dude? I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do against that. <laughs> Nothing. You're not supposed yeah. to play. Yeah. It's called Kevin Doesn't Win the Game. <laughs> Kevin tried to do get rug loops loops with with four Krarks and a mind break trap in play. I'm like, dude, you gotta stop, man. <laughs> it's not gonna work. That crop and he's still not won. resolving. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think that that's like a it's an interesting way to view like how like like it's kind of like viewing CDH from like an outside lens, right? And really like diving into the the nuances of the format when you're when you think about stuff like that because as a tournament player and as a grinder, sometimes you have to try to predict the meta or play around it, right? Like we all make card choices in our deck around specific meta pieces. If stacks never existed, we would never play dress down and rog sai. You know what I mean? Like there's just no point in playing it besides like maybe stifling an ETB trigger. But other than that, like if it wasn't Or Winota. I mean or uh, like Winota or like Nagilo. Sure, but I mean like it, it the 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 reason why Dress Down is good in those decks is because it's a proactive card as much as it's a reactive card, right? It, it helps progress your game plan and, and winning the game. If Like, if stacks never existed, we would never play that card because it's not proactive enough for us. So, like, these are meta concessions that you have to make in order to, to, to win more. And, you know, there are scenarios where win more cards are better. Uh, and so, like, these are, like, the evaluations you have to make. And so, like, do you guys ever go into events like like going through your deck lists and and trying to change cards or or things like ahead of the event like saying like oh man you know i might see more winota than i expect maybe it's time i start playing hydroblast or you know shit like that do you, do you guys ever think about that 
Bev, Bev, um, Bev, Bev, Bev. Generally, yeah. Like, so, like, in a given list, there's, like, three to five flex slots. Uh, a lot, I think there's not any in Rock'sai, but um, in TNK, there's definitely quite a few flex slots, like, three to five, like I said. And, like, a perfect example of that is the Fiery Covenant versus Toxic Deluge. Toxic Deluge, yeah. If, uh, if I expect a lot of Winota, I'm going to put Toxic Deluge in my deck, because... It destroys Winota. It's a Winota killer. And cards like Hydro Blast, I think, are just so good that are they're worth running in TNK just because they blow up Dockside, blow up Breach, blow up Winota. But yeah, stuff like that is definitely a medical. What about all you, Alex? Uh, I would say that before Punt City, I was like, yeah, I need to do these specific things to my deck. Uh, I made mistakes doing that, but I definitely made some meta calls based on some things I'd been hearing. I kept a few of them, like the City of Traders and the Grim Tutor, which I just got rid of, but that's beside the point. Man, um, remember that phase? <laughs> the Grim Tutor phase? Uh-huh, I do remember that phase. I remember getting a lot of angry messages for cutting PETA for Grim Tutor. It's still it's still not bad. It's still not a bad decision. It's not bad. I just there's don't better think cards. It's, there's, yeah, there's yeah, better, there's better it's cards. One of a hundred and ten that are playable in my deck, and I I'm just, like, I, okay. I like that Peta got axed for it, right? Because I think Peta at this point is considered just unplayable. Um, like it's a good card, but it's just so much. In, in, in TNK, yeah, not in general. Like Crick obviously still wants it. Yeah, sure. You know what I, but uh, I think we're talking about, you know, we're generalizing here with like TNK and Rogsire, these ad nauseous decks that might want it. Um, like, uh, like I'm assuming you're not on PETA anymore in Kenrith, right? Or were you ever on it? I was on it for about a week. Yeah. It's just like uh, the, the, like it's not worth the, the, the trade off, right? And even like strategies that are being utilized now that like, why would I pay a PETA if I can just play a Citadel, right? Or things like that. Like, People are, yeah, like mindsets are definitely changing or developing. So it's uh it's it's unique to to see that stuff. But yeah, the Grim Tutor phase was fucking funny. I remember like we we t- covered it on the podcast. We're like, this is the most innovative thing ever. And then like two weeks later, everybody's off of it already. I'm like, all right, I just, well, I don't, I just I don't, but a seven man will win the game. It's seven man will win the game. You don't understand. <laughs> I just got off of Grim Tutor like a week and a half ago. Yeah. So it, that phase just ended for me. It I think I'm right still with... on it in TNK. I may have cut it. I don't remember. Yeah, it I, right I cut it. I bought the full art foil. That's when it ended. As soon as I paid yeah, twenty five dollars. Well, well, yeah, that was the plan, right? We were just trying to get money. I had a bunch of Grim Tutors. I was trying to unload, <laughs> trying to sell. I, I remember <laughs> Adam telling me this tech for like swapping Grim Tutor out for Peta. Like I, I was already on the fence for Peta. And then I switched to Grim Tutor, and then I cut Grim Tutor in like two weeks. It just it felt was on the too way slow. home from. Uh... And just from Richmond, right? It was when we were driving home from Richmond. I was like preaching about Grim yeah. Tutor for like hour. You and Bryce were forced to listen to me talk about it for hours on the car ride home. Yeah, <laughs> I was still on Rock Side at that point, and I was like, "This doesn't seem that good." But I believe Rock Side is running Grim Tutor right now, if I recall correctly. I mean, in three cards, I, I mean, it, ma- yeah. it makes more sense because it makes sense in the card choices. You're on. You're on every tutor, right? You're on. Diabolic. That's not true. You're not on grass. Merchant Scroll. You're not on fucking, you know. Solve the equation. Come on. You're yeah. not on. Oh <laughs> yeah, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> we're not on the the four mana one either. Yeah. Oops. What's the one that Crick does? Where it's like you, uh, it's like a bunch of black pips, but like you just get to cast it for free. Beseech right? the queen. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. 
Um, yeah, we're not on so, Dark Petition either. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a that blast from the past. That's a blast from the past right there. <laughs> I think uh, the last question that we have before we wrap it up is, uh, like, these upcoming tournaments, you guys have heard all about it. We have Chaos events. We have Eminence events. We might have, you know, Monarch events. So there's, like, a lot of things that are coming in the works. You have Mox Masters playing with Power Leagues, all these different things that you see. What are you guys the most excited for for 2023 in the tournament scene for CDH? You want, you want to say it at the same time, Alex? Or I'm excited I mean, for Silicon Dynasty. Yeah, I mean, there's Silicon. Uh, I'm excited for Eminence events in general. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're the best. They're the best tournaments. Mm. Eminence runs the best tournaments. As someone who's been to Monarch and Eminence, no... It's like the Monarch, yeah. but Eminence events are very well run. They run very smoothly. Uh, really professional team. Uh, no complaints. They, they let me bring food and drink inside. Um, <laughs> they're nice yeah. to me. They're, they're Some, nice actually, to. They're nice sometimes. to my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, we're not calling. Him, we're not calling him short. We're nice to him. Yeah, is that bad for a fifteen-year-old? Um, yeah, I'm five foot three. So, uh, watch out for me. Yeah, you, you and Adam. Just I may try to steal your phone. Yeah. Ankle biters. <laughs> That's funny. Both it's, of you. It's nice exactly. That, it's nice that I don't have to like show Eminence stuff, right? You guys just get to talk. It's no, crazy. we do it for you, right? Yeah. I mean, I work for Eminence them, is you... having. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was no, gonna say okay. Eminence is like having the first like. <laughs> They're having like the first like CDH like real circuit. Right, because yeah. there's Silicon Dynasty, and then there's Fun City Two, and then there's a Cookout, and then there's Windmill Slam, and then they're having the, the the Nationals, right? So it's like really the first circuit you're seeing. Like there's been like one-off events like Marchesa and Oko, Toberfest, but and even pre-pandemic there was uh, DDM with Mike Bonney, but Mike Bonney's back with Mikey and Zane, and they're setting up a whole slew of events, and uh, I'm really excited because uh, you're seeing a lot of people show up to these events that. Like way bigger than CDH. Like, I'm excited to see guys like Matt Sperling compete in events because that's a very, very good Magic player who is picking up my format and is saying this is a cool format. Number one, that's validation, and number two, that's more eyes looking at the format, which is amazing for growth. You're seeing like content creators like Koval One Oko Toberfest, like Brian Cook, like really helped pioneer a new deck like it's really cool to see people completely out of the edh space step into cdh and be like number one this format's awesome and push it and it's gonna be awesome to see these people compete in events in 2023 um it's gonna be a real test i think people are gonna learn that being a really good magic player uh it makes you broken in cdh i know that's like a scorching hot take i i know right but uh Getting better at six card magic helps you get better at CDH, in my opinion. Uh, another scorching hot take. Some people would disagree with that. I think, like picking up another sixty card format would actually help you get a lot better CDH. But that's another thing. But I'm just really excited to see all these new uh, faces and old faces from like former like pro tours come and compete and do well because I think that's awesome for CDH. Right? That's a uh, a great way to get people better, and it's going to help uh, a meta form even more, and it's going to make events more competitive, and it's going to make events more fun. That's how I feel. How do you feel, Alex? Uh, I, I'm extremely excited for the entire circuit. I will be hopefully going to most of them. Uh, definitely the cookout because it's five hours down the road. Um, I want to go to Waffle House. That's why I'm going to the cookout. I, I'm going to go to Waffle House with <laughs> Hal and Manny, and that's, that's that right. is still go. my goal. The goat. Um, 
I'm excited for all the events this year. I'm also extremely excited, like you said, for Matt Sperling, Bryant Cook, uh, Brian Koval, especially Matt Sperling, because he's just been a great person to talk to about the format and talk to about deck choices and play with. It's been an it's been a treat recently with him. Um, he even picked up my deck recently and was like talking to me about the things he did it differently, and it's been great. Um, yeah, it's just an exciting year. Couldn't agree more. Sweet. And uh, for me and Kian, I think we're just excited to get out to whatever events we can. I know that I'll be at every Eminence event uh, throughout the year. Me and Kian are planning on going to Punt City too, so we're excited for that. We want to. Oh, we're probably going it's to Nationals too because that's in our backyard. So uh, we're going to be going to that. And so, you know, we're just excited to like be more a part of the community, competing more. Uh, putting up results, you know, I'm, I'm turning the O three into the three O this year. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. Um, <laughs> and let's uh, start at one, two, let's start at one. Two. <laughs> you know what, Adam, Adam, besides the hate, I believe you can make top 64. Top 64. That's the goal. I've, you know, I've, I've, every time. I've only made top 64, like Every event except for one so far, but that's okay. Adam, every what are you talking about? Tweets, every event, you're gonna win bro. a tournament. You get one tournament away from top sixteen in a tournament. I believe Adam. <laughs> one more tournament, one more tournament away. Anyways, uh, yeah, screw you guys. Let's end this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> screw you guys. I'm going home. Yeah. So, uh, and now to move to our end step. So again, we're gonna thank all of our high tier. You set a stop. Thank you to Dude, Usable Object, Senator Tom, Scorish, Jeff Bezos, Unorthodox Bird, Domino, Geos Justin, and Just Ice. Thank you guys for the support. The support from our patrons is what makes us here at Sadnos continue to be able to pump out this content, buy new equipment, buy new gear, uh, have, you know, amateur guests on like Chris and uh, Alex, and, you know, just, you know, bring on as many people as possible. What, Oh, the nice microphone, buddy. You think you're cool? Because I got the yeah, same one. Same one. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, uh, you can do so at patreon.com slash sadnaws. Both uh, Chris and Alex are patrons of ours. That's, you know, why they're we put them on this episode because they gave us money. No, that's not. That's not, <laughs> not the reason. <laughs> but uh if you haven't uh, already joined the Discord. All right, Adam. No, no, no. I'm taking over this side. I've been taking it over. All right. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Join the Discord. Join the... Yeah, we've been saying it. All right. Well, here's a here's a curveball for you. Sub to us on YouTube. All right. Screw the Discord. I don't give a fuck anymore. Fuck the Discord. Sub to us on YouTube. We need that clout, baby. Vroom. We need clout. All right. Listen. But, but jokes aside, you know, Discord, it's a great place. Everybody has Discord. All right. You got TikToks. Fuck a TikTok. Join the join the Sadnaz Discord. Links are going to be below in our YouTube. And uh, it came to our attention today, actually, that we don't have a Discord link in our Spotify. So we'll make sure to put that in there as well. We're local to the Milwaukee metro area, and we have channels specifically for local discussion, tournaments, and meetups. We got Hamter. We got fucking Vroom, baby. The prophecy of Vroom. That's all you need to know. Bada bing, bada boom. Sub to us on YouTube. Join the Discord. Adam, back to you. Dude, you just like speak in tongues sometimes. You're like fucking fuck the TikTok, fuck the fucking <laughs> fuck the TikTok. You know, I got Chris here he's from Philly. I got to do a little, you know, fuck uh, the TikTok, fuck the TikTok. You know, 
Where are the um, YouTube shorts coming at? Yo, listen, hey, they're there's coming. There's one on there. Right, we got right. one on there. We got. I got. Wish you Merry Christmas. I got to finish <laughs> editing one I recorded. But. It's so funny, dude. It's like wish you. It's like, hey guys, hope you have a Merry Christmas. And then it ends. I'm like, what the? <laughs> you should do one. That's just a compilation of Adam getting roasted. Oh, yeah, there, I, that, that would not be a YouTube short. That would be like a 10 hour YouTube video. Anyway, we, we need subs so we can get monetized for it. <laughs> or Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else, make sure you leave a like and subscribe. Leave a comment, drop us a review, and share us with your friends. By the way, please leave us a review. The reviews are huge. I just checked Spotify. We have like. I think 45 star reviews on Spotify. We have a perfect record. So Holy like shit. Us those reviews. Yeah. We Should I like change that? The... No, don't change that. Please. No. We're one of the higher, <laughs> like highest rating gaming podcasts on the platform. So like, thank you so much. That that really means a lot. And I'm glad that you guys have been doing that. Yeah, it does. Um, it gives us the ability to reach new people, contact new audiences and just continue to make sick videos. Uh, so we appreciate that. And with that, we're going to end the episode here. So you guys have a great week, and we'll see you on the next one.